yeah! At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. And one. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of The Takedown. As always, brought to you by Phone Soap. Go to phonesoap.com. Use the code TAKEDOWN for 20% off of your order. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have a fucking holiday treat for you guys today. I have the 10-time world champion. The Oh man, I'm I'm actually kind of I'm kind of flustered already, man. I have one of the greatest kickboxers to ever live. He just recently signed with one championship. What is up, John Wayne Parr? Hey, mate. How you going? Man, I had this whole sweet ass intro and then I just fucked it all up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You doing good, man? Uh, yeah, I can't complain. Uh, life is amazing. Uh, I, uh, five months ago, I had hip surgery. I thought I was done in the sport, and then now I'm zero pain, uh, back to training, and just have a new lease of life. I, I feel like I'm 25 again. It's amazing. Oh, God, man. That's fucking terrifying, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is awesome, man. You just recently signed a one, too. How's that? I'm so excited. Uh, so I took one of my young fighters over to fight there in February. And had the opportunity to meet uh, Mr. Yod Chetri. Uh, and then he was such a, an amazing gentleman. He he told me he was a big fan. He's been watching my fights for ages. And he really liked my aggression and my, my boxing. And he said, whatever I have to do to try and get you to, to come and fight for, for one championship to finish your career. And I was sort of umming and erring. And they, they said, uh, let us make you an offer. So uh, a few days later, I, I received a phone call. And they said, I uh, would like to offer you pretty much double what I was getting with Bellator. And I was like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and then they, they said, oh, so we'll give you a few days to think about it, maybe have a chat with your wife and discuss it. And then if you're happy with it, uh, give us a call back. And I said, I can give you an answer right now if you like. And they said, you, you sure you don't want to wait a few days? I'm 100% sure. I'm pretty happy with that deal. So <laughs> life, <laughs> life, is, life is really, really amazing. I'm so happy to, to, to be where I am right now in life. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I when I seen the news, I was like, holy shit, man. And, yeah. and I, I seen that Rocky had went over, and, and I, I watched his fight. I actually had to stay up really late to watch it, uh, but I watched Rocky's fight, and then I seen that you signed. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be some some badass shit going on right here. Yeah, and, and the crazy part is, so I started uh, Cage Muay Thai back in 2012. Uh, we did 10 shows, uh, uh, Muay Thai in the Cage, MMA gloves on, and now to see what, one championship take it to the, to the world stage and have like gentlemen like uh, Yodzin Guy and Petrosi and all these other guys fighting cage Muay Thai, which started from a, an idea laying in bed thinking, how can I fight in the cage without having to learn jiu-jitsu? And, and, and to see it where it is now, it's like, I, I'm so happy that it's, uh, it's so big now. It's so it's just like it, people just accepted it. But when I first brought it onto the market, uh, I was copying so much criticism from all the, the pure Muay Thai fans saying, how could you do this? You're a sellout. You're only doing this for, for money. <laughs> which is funny enough, which every promoter really does at the end of the day. But uh, I just, after watching UFC for so long and, and seeing the excitement of what it would be like to fight in a cage instead of a ring, I, I had to do it. I had to try it. And I, and, uh, I, I went to YouTube to, to, to test the market, and I, I noticed there's a few guys doing K1 and so, but they're wearing the 10-ounce the gloves. And after watching UFC for so long and, and seeing big gloves in the ring, it just it looked very odd. So there was no way that I could wear big gloves in the in the cage. It wouldn't do it justice. Not if I wanted to get the respect from MMA fans. So um, from that moment, I decided that it has to be in MMA gloves as well. And then uh, just to see it to to where it is now, it's just um, I'm so privileged that it's, it's at at that that level now. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, it's phenomenal to watch, and and I remember watching uh Liam Harrison when like I think Liam was actually the reason I started watching one, um, and I watched Liam Harrison do the the Muay Thai in the cage, and I was like, oh, this is badass because now yeah. like now it just adds like an extra like an extra bit of um, like an extra bit of thinking, you know, brutality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey man, yeah. I I heard this rumor, man, and I'm not sure if it's true. Uh, you've seen the video of Joe Rogan reacting ringside, uh, Ronda Rousey and, and Holly Holm, right? Yes. I heard that you filmed that. Is that true? Yes, 100%. Wow, that is that is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. so the the story goes, um, so I did the podcast with Joe a few months beforehand. He said, do you want some tickets? I said, oh, for sure. It's a, it's a, it's a two-hour plane trip from home, but I'm happy to try uh, to fly down and, and, and be part of the crazy and then uh, they, they situated us behind a barricade. Um, I was sitting with all the other fans. And I was sitting next to two really famous footballers here in Australia. And and, and the footballers are like, hey, can we get a photo? And I'm sort of like, oh, with me? And they go, yeah, yeah, of course, with you. So we've, we've jumped up and we're taking a photo. And next minute, 50 people have jumped up. And everyone's sort of surrounding me. And I'm, I'm giving all and, – and the footballers sat back down. No one asked the footballers for a photo. I'm sitting there sort of in disbelief going, holy crap, this is amazing. And then uh, after about 10 minutes of nonstop photos, nonstop photos, I get a tap on the shoulder by a security guard. He said, oh, look, we're going to have to put you in the VIP section behind the barricade there because you're a security threat for the venue. I was like, oh, no worries. Uh, easy. <laughs> so, so so next minute, I'm sitting behind uh, Cain Velasquez and Forrest Griffin. And uh, and then I, I think Rob Whitaker just fought Uriah Hall. And I, after the fight, I said, oh, do you mind if I quickly go and say hello to the uh, Joe to thank him for the tickets? So I tapped Joe on the shoulder. Hey, thank you so much. This is amazing. I've actually just got moved by security because I'm a security threat, blah, blah, blah. He goes, um, why don't you sit right there? Uh, and it's like, where? And he goes, right there, right next to me. I said, are you sure? He goes, yeah, for sure. Just sit there. So uh, we, I call my daughter over and we sit in the seats. And I'm literally a, a, a meter from the cage. And this is amazing. So I had to watch the last few fights. And then I took, pulled my phone out for the for the run to fight. And then, uh, yeah, Holly lands the head kick from hell. And then, yeah, I pair my phone over, and, and there's Joe staring back at me, going, holy crap, this is amazing. And then uh, because there were so many people in the venue, the, the phone reception wasn't that, that good. So I quickly put it on Instagram and forgot about it. And then the next day, somebody had ripped it from Instagram and put it on their YouTube channel. And within 24 hours, they had 2 million views from my video. I was like, what the crap? That's, that's my video. What the hell? <laughs> I remember uh, that that video is almost more famous than the the actual knockout itself. <laughs> like you just see his mind blowing. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, we went to dinner straight after the the fight. And Joe's, Joe was saying this that's the biggest upset in history. That was um, bigger than Mike Tyson, uh, Buster Douglas. because uh, Ronda was on that streak where she'd only been in the cage for three minutes the last three fights, and then uh, and then Holly. Holly's amazing, but um, no one really gave Holly much of an opportunity to, to get the win. And then to pull off such a – not only did, did she get the win, but she dominated the fight. It was such an amazing performance. No, that's like the difference in like high-level striking and like high-level grappling. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. was that was very uh, very out in the open and on display that night. But, man, I've seen that video so many times. And, yeah. and I've seen it. I think it might have been Hans that shared it one time. And uh, you were like tagged in it. And I was like, no hey. fucking way. Yeah. That's so cool, yeah. man. So this, this, back, back in that fight too, this is just when they were saying that uh, Ronda could beat Cain Velasquez in, in a stand-up match. Said, oh, God. Oh, come on, guy. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's God. 
uh, Ronda Ronda did an interview saying, "Look, I'm not saying that I could beat Cain Velasquez every every match, but if he has an off day and doesn't come in with 100 percent focus, I, I I swear I could beat him." I was like, "Whoa, that's that's when you're starting to believe there in your own hype. That's that's kind of crazy. I wouldn't like to receive. I'm a I'm a guy, and I still want to receive a punch from Cain, let alone uh, being a female." Yeah, so, that's. Whew. That that's quite painful in MMA gloves as well. That's yeah, not my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, Kane's Kane's definitely one of the scariest men alive. I don't think I would be signing <laughs> up for that anytime soon. That's, yeah, fuck that man. Yeah, did you were you were you on the round the the round the hype train? Oh, for sure. Uh, I got to, luckily I traveled to Vegas. Uh, oh no, no, sorry, uh, California when she for Kate Zingano. And uh, oh, I was God, the same, man. I, I, I got to stay in the same hotel, and I bumped into Ronda a few times, and um, got the opportunity to take a photo with her, and uh, like I, I was starstruck as well. I went to say something, and just this babble come out. <laughs> I was like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've never been starstruck before, but she was uh, such a, a pioneer for for female uh, MMA fighters that um, I couldn't help but feel a little bit. Uh, warm and fuzzy in the tummy when I got the opportunity to shake a hand. I feel like even even the people that were like Ronda haters back in the day, like I was a hardcore Ronda, um, like I was a ride or die for Ronda. You know what I mean? Like I I thought she was gonna go on to do even bigger things than she'd already done. Not discrediting her at all. She she truly was like a pioneer. But I was I was on that train, man. I was like, yo, she could probably win stand up matches with most of the men. And then Holly just yeah. went out and just done something. Uh, absolutely unreal, man. Like that was unthought of at the time, you know. Yeah, I I thought it was sad. Uh, the the way that she took the loss, like uh, I, I've lost, I've had thirty three losses in Muay Thai, and each and every one of them sucks. But at the same time, you you have to get back on the horse and 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 learn from the loss and get back there in front of people, and and she pretty much just disappeared. She vanished from society. And then uh, she, before the loss, uh, in the interview, she said, I, I love the, the pressure, the interviews, the, the more interviews. Uh, um, I've just taken on – it's just part of, part of the thing. And then for her to completely vanish, you just see that it was more – it was more than just a loss. It was like oh, – It was I like world-shattering for her. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen someone take a loss so, so hard before. To completely vanish off the face of the earth, and to hide her face on the plane and with a pillow, and the, it was just bizarre that to see someone wrecked in such a um, in a negative manner. Yeah, every, everybody loses. Every, everybody loses. Everyone. Everyone has to go through that that shame. Uh, but at the same time, it's how you conduct yourself after a loss. Oh, okay, come out to the media. I got beaten by the better person of the day. She might have beaten me today, but she doesn't mean she's going to beat me tomorrow. Uh, and, and you just yeah, I think you you get more. You don't lose any fans in that respect, but the way that she took took the loss was quite um, yeah, just really bizarre. Yeah, it's it, it's rough, man. Because you know, like we feel, because like you, I mean, you're obviously one of the more decorated uh, Muay Thai fighters in the world. I've had a very small career, but I've been choked out. I've been decisioned. I've been uh, I've been knocked unconscious, like. I think you learn more from a loss than you ever do from a win. And, and some people just put way too much pressure on themselves. And I think that I used to do that for a while. And I think that might've been my problem for a long time is I put way too much pressure on, on one individual fight and not the actual long term, you know? And it was, it was really rough to see her go through that because we'd seen her 
essentially be the scariest woman on the on the face of the earth, you know, and then she, you know, she's hiding her face, you know, so I just, it, it almost, you have to wonder, like, uh, should someone have, like, stepped in and said something or, you know what I mean? Yeah. The people sure. around you, I guess. Not knocking that yeah. team at all, because, I mean, they've produced multiple champions, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, the psychology behind it all is, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely educational to see someone react in such a manner. Because uh, uh, even Conor McGregor, even he, he talks all that shit. And then after a loss, he, he takes it on the chin. Oh, well, I, I set myself up to fail and uh, I, I got beaten. I have to eat my words now. But at least he's still out in front of the media and he's still, he still, he, he, he learns from his losses. He, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So that, that, <laughs> yeah, I you know, I think one of the, probably one of the better moments that I've ever seen uh, happen in a UFC fight or after a UFC fight was uh, Dominic Cruz lost to Cody Garbrandt and then Dominic goes out to the press conference. He has his suit on. He has his, his sunglasses on. And he says, Hey, this is part of my job. Win, lose or draw. This is, this is part of it. You know, we have to embrace it and move on. And, and I, yeah. I feel like that, like when I seen that, because I was still fighting at the time, like I seen that and I was like, that's how you handle a loss. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or Connor saying, oh, you know, I, I was, what did he say? I was inefficient with my energy. I was like, you know what? Yeah. He's, he's analyzing himself like right then and there. You know, that's it, it, a lot of respect for that, you know? Yes. And then he's the first one to apologize for the way they conduct himself, even after a win. Like uh, I was building the fight. I said some stuff I shouldn't have said, but at the same time, we've got people through the door. We sold plenty of tickets. And at the end of the day, it's a business and an entertainment industry. Are you into uh, Are you into talking shit? Like, do you do you talk a lot of shit before fights? Uh no. Uh, so the Thais used to teach me. They said, uh, "Whatever you say comes back on you tenfold." So if I was to say, "Oh, this guy's he hits like a girl," yeah, this guy's a bitch. And then if I lose, you're I gonna get hit by, by ten girls. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got hit by a bitch that hits like a girl. It's like ah, oh, I don't want. It. But if I if I if I pump up my opponent, even if I know that I believe that I'm the better person on the day, if I uh, oh this guy's a champion, this is gonna be such a hard fight. I'm really excited for this opportunity. And then if I lose, I can I can go back up. Oh, see, I told you it was a champion. And then it doesn't it doesn't have that uh, bad neg- neg- negativity. But if I pump him up and I lose, it's like oh well, I, I always said there was gonna be a hard fight, and um, sure enough, it was. Yeah, I, I like that. I never, I never got into like the shit talking because I was always worried. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell somebody, I'm gonna knock you out, and then I'm just gonna get chin checked right off the bat. Yeah, you know? yeah. everybody um, the in the last, venue. Yeah. The the last three fights I had with Bellator, I uh, I I I take uh, Australian presence, whether it be a, a a toy kangaroo or a boomerang or or something to to throw my opponent off. <laughs> so you get to the face to face. You get to the you get to the face to face at the way in, and you hand him a present, and you just watch your whole opponent's demeanor change. They're like, "Oh, for me," and then yeah, they all of a sudden they can't get angry anymore. It's like I just gave you a present. You can't be mad. Yeah. <laughs> what and, was and, the- and then so, psychologically, you know, you got them as well. You, you're in you're in the head now. It's like, ah, oh, I've got you. I've got you already. You weren't expecting that, were you? Like, damn it. <laughs> there was a uh, there was a UFC fighter. He used to bring his opponents uh uh like cookies and stuff at the weigh-ins. I'm yeah. trying to think of that guy's name. I can't can't for the life of me think of it. But yeah, he used to bring cookies and stuff to the weigh-in. I was like, that's pretty cool right yeah. there. Yeah. Um uh, you fought for Bellator. What's what's Bellator like on the uh, I guess the business side because I've heard a lot of people say they love Bellator and Scott Coker. Yeah, Scott's amazing. Um Scott's they, uh, the whole the whole staff and crew and everybody took uh, very good care of me, but un- unfortunately the the kickboxing um, didn't uh, flourish as much as they expected it to. Um, 
believe after the shows, they just weren't getting the ratings they were expecting. And and a lot of the sponsors, uh, sponsors dropped off. Oh, uh, so sucks. then they did most of those inter- internationally instead of uh, in America, which was sort of a bummer. And then uh, I got to the stage where I, I just, I, I had my three fights. I, I, I re-signed. And then I was on a, a 16-month hiatus waiting for a new fight. And it was just, uh, uh, I had more for me. Uh, uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, my contract around my so um uh, the, opportunity, the opportunity came to sign with one and scott was uh he, he said oh your contract's done uh you're a free agent um i give you my blessing so yeah scott's amazing he was such a nice guy uh and yeah just the, the fact that uh they, they they gave me the opportunity being a kid from australia and to fly overseas and the, to represent it was cool because they had uh, the ring and then after in the show, the cage, in the show, the cage dropped down from the ceiling and uh, all of a sudden into an MMA cage. It's like, oh, this is, this is, this is a show within itself. Just yeah, watching it's... the cage come down and, and going from that. It was so, so cool to see. That's bad. Uh, bad uh, I, uh, I, I watched you yeah. uh, do the Bellator kickboxing thing and I watched Joe Schilling. Um, he fought, uh, oh gosh, who did he fight? Uh, Hisaki uh, Kato. And, uh, oh, okay, yes. He lost the fight with a, a spinning back fist, but I'm a huge Joe Schilling fan, man. I'll I'll never forget that fight, man. That was like 2016, I think, uh, or somewhere around there. But yeah, Bellator kickboxing was really cool, and you you kind of just nailed it on the head. Like they started going international with it. I feel like kickboxing is almost more popular outside of the U.S., like outside of of the like North America, and that's that's a real shame, man. Because um, I mean, there's like a lot of there's a lot of really good kickboxers from America. We just, I guess, we're so uh, like entranced in mixed martial arts and and I guess traditional boxing. But um, it's a shame that like a lot of the American kickboxers aren't really getting like the respect that they deserve, like in America. You know what I mean? Like they have to uh, kind of travel or make the like the jump over to MMA. Um, which yeah, I mean, it's. You always want people to follow their passion, but they don't. They don't make it easy here in America. I don't. I don't feel. <laughs> yeah, we're very lucky in Australia that Muay, Muay Thai is um, so popular. Uh, uh, it's also when the UFC comes to town, the UFC sells out every single time. But uh, somewhat, uh, uh, sorry, uh, compared to a, a small MMA show and a, a Muay Thai show, the Muay Thai show will will, will get a double the fans coming to the event compared to the MMA here. So we're, we're very fortunate that striking's still regarded on a high level. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so crazy. Like we have guys like, uh, like Raymond Daniels or like, um, like Steven Thompson who have made the jump over to like, uh, to MMA or Joe Schilling even has made the jump to, to MMA. I, I guess, I don't know. I guess we're too focused on like football and baseball and shit here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just other other sports but i would love to see it take off and you know we had a couple of glory cards here uh you know the bellator kickboxing thing was taking off maybe it'll maybe it'll take off man i don't know uh and then the the, the crazy part about the the american fans is they love stand-up striking in the cage but they, they don't like muay thai it's so right <laughs> right it's yeah. the weirdest thing ever you guys want violence but then when you get it you're just like what the fuck are we doing with this yeah that's so crazy, man. Do you uh? Did you actually did you watch the fights last night or yeah last night? Uh, no, we're we're at a Christmas party yesterday, so I got that. I missed it unfortunately. Uh, Wonder Boy ended up fighting uh Jeff Neal, and Wonder Boy, man, he's man, he's so talented. Yes, and he just he just doesn't get the respect he 
Uh, he kind of deserves. He's such a nice guy too. Like I think that's part of it. Is like he doesn't talk shit, you know. Yeah, I've been a fan of his for a long time. Um, is more more karate style than Muay Thai, but um, still, what he does works. <laughs> it's it's so crazy to watch, man. I mean, even uh, like last night, he's taking on Jeff Neal, who's like this enormous power puncher, and and Jeff hit him clean maybe three times the entire fight. I mean, that that weird karate, like, in-out motion is just so crazy, man. And he's he's so quick, and he leaves his hands so low, man. That's what scares the shit out of me. Who? Uh, Wonderboy. He, he, uh, he keeps that range with that step-up sidekick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sliding sidekick is so badass, man. He, he dropped Luke with that twice, I think. Ooh. Yeah, that's... Man. <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> Do you uh do you have anybody lined up or do you have anybody in mind uh that you want to fight in one? Uh, I'm happy to fight everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just I'm just happy to be back uh, active. Um, I I didn't realize how much you miss the sport until you're forced to retire, and then uh you sort of put in a, a predicament where you don't want to stop. You want to just keep riding the wave, and then when you when my pain the the, hip, the the pain in my hip was so bad I could barely walk. I had no other option but to 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 call call it a day. So I'm that's why I'm so happy to be to back again, just to be um, the realization of something that you love to to and to give that second opportunity to come back again. I, I really want to give it as much as I can and just hopefully be injury free for for a few more years. How long were you? Uh, how long were you, were you down with your injury, or how long did you have to rehab it with your hip? Uh, I'm. I'm pretty much pain-free now so the the surgery was on the first of july and then uh hopefully i'll be fighting end of january or early february fingers crossed and your last so fight was that, 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 that'll be six months that'll be six months from the operation and my last fight was uh the 30th of november okay yeah yeah 30th of november in 19 so just over a year now since my fight but and that was a boxing that was a 10 round boxing fight yeah, that's badass, man. I bet you, I bet you are pretty, uh, like you're itching to get back into it. Like you have a, you have a huge career, man. Like over, a, like what is it, 144 fights? Uh, 147. Whew, God, man, I can't yeah. even, imagine, I can't even imagine, dude. I had like seven fights, and I'm just like, fuck. Yeah, dude. yeah. So, so 133 Muay Thai and 14 uh, pro boxing. Nice. Uh, ten, ten knockouts in boxing, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, my yeah. last fight went the distance, which screwed me up. I was, I was on the perfect uh, 10 fights, 10 wins, and then my last fight went the distance. It's like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a 100% knockout ratio before then. So, But, but, but the last gentleman I fought was a former uh, multiple world champion, uh, Anthony Mundine. And uh, he's such a big name here in Australia. So even just the, the fact of get, getting the opportunity to fight him was such a buzz. And, and to be able to say that I, I've beaten him was... Um, just the the perfect cherry on top of the cake. You know, it's so crazy, and it's not because I'm such a fan of you, but I'm I'm kind of realizing, like, just listening to you talk, like, like because no matter who you ask, if you ask about Muay Thai or you ask about kickboxing, uh, like your name is right up there at the top of the list. You know what I mean? Hey. Um, and so it's it's so crazy for me to hear you uh, like giving like giving praise to like all these. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, so it's um, so it's so humbling. Yeah. <laughs> Um, at the end of the day, I'm still such a massive fan of the sport and so privileged to be able to, to do this every day and, and to um, to be amongst – and even chatting with yourself is such a buzz. Uh, um, it's just uh, I love what this sport is able to 
it's even though we're we're such a small community, we're we're such a uh, everyone thinks we're we're all these big tough thugs, but at the end of the day, we're all just we're all just humans and all just friends and all just uh, yeah, it's such a it's such a cool sport. Martial arts in general, martial arts in general, it just uh, brings that humbleness. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Our uh, so our school, uh, like our affiliate school, actually just had a like a blue bur- uh, blue belt IBJJF champion, and like the the affiliate school is like maybe thirty ish minutes away from us, like like a drive. Um, and so of course, like we, you know, due to like COVID, none of us like went down to to Orlando and watched it, but. Um, we're all like watching flow grappling like all day. And, and as soon as we find out, like while we're at the gym, like we just all went fucking crazy, man. Like it's, it's like a huge family. Like, like I can't, uh, I can't describe it any other way than, than calling it like a family, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, uh, even my old opponents, I'm like, uh, even though we fought each other, you still have that bond with someone for the rest of your life because you've, you've tried to kill each other for those 15 minutes. And then, uh, from that moment forward, you, yeah, every time you see each other, you, you can't help but feel you have that special connection now. Yeah, that's... Which is bizarre. Which is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, you, you I, I can't... Think, <laughs> you can't replicate that feeling no matter what you do either. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's not like football. Not knocking football. It's not like football or baseball. Like, you're literally in there trying to... Like, trying to push somebody's reset button. Like, there's nothing There's nothing else like that. And then for, for 10 weeks... That's the the only person that you concentrated on for a whole ten weeks. Even though even though you might not have met that person, you only meet them for like five minutes of the weigh in. You share the cage for, or the ring for them for fifteen minutes for to do the business. But for some reason, from that moment forward, yeah, you just have this connection. You, you've 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 tra- traded souls almost. The uh, hearing you talk about this, the picture that that's coming to mind is the photo of you. Uh, I guess it's been like recreated with with it's your face with all the stitches and all the. Uh, yes. Yeah, that is such a cool photo, man. Anytime I think of like, you know, that Dana White saying, "So you want to be a fucking fighter?" Like that's what I think yeah. of. Like like that photo, man. Like, like you're right. Like you're you're leaving uh, like your blood, sweat, and tears out there, man. Like you're you're linked to these people for life, and that's. It's cool that you stay in contact with uh with people you fought or or you wish them well, you know. That's uh like watching Wonder Boy fight last night. I was I was watching the uh like the tweets and I was seeing like people cuz you know UFC's doing that thing where they they put the tweets at the bottom of the screen during the fights and I was seeing like people that have fought Wonder Boy like wishing him well and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty badass, you know." Yeah. Is um, there a so Go ahead. There there's a gentleman called uh, Terry Shawchuk from Canada before Hockey Mass. And he did a um, replic- replication of what his face would look like with all his scars. And after seeing that photo, I was like, oh, I've got to do that with my face. I've, I've had so many stitches. I, I want to do something similar. So I talked to a, a magazine editor, and um, they, they, they put it all together for me. And then uh, I think Joe Rogan might have discussed it with one of his uh, 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 people. And, um, yeah, that, and then all these emails come through. Is it, is it everyone thought that it was from one fight? It's like no, 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 no. It's just a hypothetical. If I had them all at once, so, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it would have bled to death. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot. Do you know how many stitches that is in total? Uh, so so far I've had uh, three hundred and forty-six stitches. Holy shit! Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the photo <laughs> now, man. Yeah, it's brutal, man. It's all around <laughs> the eyes too. It's like nobody really hits you in the forehead or, or in the mouth that yeah. much. Yeah. 
Uh, so there's a, a few more on my hairline that you can't see, but uh, yeah, majority around the eyes and the eyebrows and um, down the nose and across the cheeks and everything else. Uh, so my my first one, my first set of stitches was eight. My second set of stitches was 21. And then my third set in uh, in one fight, I received 54 stitches in one fight from Holy five fuck. So within three fights, I've, I've already had over 80 stitches in my face. So it didn't take long to get that 300 plus. <laughs> That's fucking unreal, dude. 50 yeah. from one yeah. fight. Holy shit. Yeah. As in, um, they, they tried to stop it uh, after the third cut. And I, I, I put my head through the ropes and begged the promoter, please don't stop it. I've traveled all the way from Thailand back to Australia. I've come too far. Don't stop the fight. Please don't stop. So the promoter persuaded the uh, ring doctor to, to let the fight continue. And because of that, <laughs> And because of that, I ended up with another two cuts. And then um, in the fifth round, I received the uppercut elbow to the middle of my forehead in between my eyes, which cut, cut me to the skull. And then blood started spurting about a meter in front of me. And that's when I realized it's probably a good idea to stop me. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, no, what have I done? If I had to stop when they said to stop, I probably only would have got 30-ish. But yeah, because I'm too stubborn, I ended up with an extra 20-ish. Hey, that sort of sucked. Yeah. Fucking a man. Do you like when you're <laughs> when you're seeing that much blood? Because I think the most I've ever bled in a fight's like out of my nose and like just a like you know not you know noses don't really bleed that bad unless they're like really fucked up. But like you yeah. said, it was spraying like a meter in front of you. What's your what's your mind doing when you see that? Uh, like so you trying to ignore it? it? My, yeah. So the the worst ones when the when the blood drips into your eye and and then you can't see. And then you don't want to wipe it because you don't want to show your opponent that it's uh, it's you're having vision problems. Like it's bothering so you. Yeah, you, yeah you got to try and ignore it. But at the same time, and as soon as you go to wipe it, it goes all claggy and it makes it like a, a red paste, and then you can't see it all. So it's just um, it's just more annoying uh, because you still want to win. End of the day, it, it, it might be blood, but it doesn't really hurt as just yet. And um, and there's no better feeling of being cut and still getting the victory. It makes you feel like a warrior. So and I, I've got a funny story with my stitches. So, um, so when I, when I get to the back room, I tell the doctor, I need, I need sets of five, whether it be five, 10, 15 or 20. Um, I don't want a seven. I don't want a three, um, because it's going to throw my OCD out. So I, I need, I need a round figures, either 15, <laughs> 20. Yeah. I said, even, 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 even if you give me seven and then put three in my finger, I'd rather have 10 and then an odd number or, or a weird number. <laughs> and then uh, I got 346 because my last cut was uh, in Japan and the, the, the doctor was Japanese and he couldn't speak English and I couldn't explain the situation. So that's how I ended up with 346. It's like, damn it. Now, now my OCD's out until my next cut. <laughs> God, you're, you're just in the gym like, hey, just just hit me with an elbow really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that is so great. That's that's such a weird thing to be OCD about too. But I mean, I, I'm actually like that's probably the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> oh man! When when, I'm, when I sit down with the doctor, I say, "How many do you want?" Oh, if you put ten in, that'd be cool. Oh, it's only worth about a seven-ish. Ah, you can squeeze a few more in there. Come on, you, you got this. <laughs> so, it pumps the numbers up faster as well. Good lord, that is that is so crazy to think about. They're like. Oh yeah, this is gonna be about seven. We'll we'll just add three more somewhere. Somewhere has anyone has anyone taken you up on that and put them in your finger? Oh no 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 no, just joking. No, uh, but um, but then then I tell people I'm I'm at three forty six. I'm so happy I haven't got the three fifty because three fifty be way too many. Wait, that's where you draw the line? Is three fifty? 
Uh, it just sounds funny. 346 is okay, but 350, no, that's, 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 that's crossing the line. That's way too many then. <laughs> I can yeah. I, I can get down with that. What if you just jumped it and you went straight to 360, though? Would that be okay? Ooh, ooh that could be okay. That yeah, could be my, okay. My, <laughs> my, uh, my old uh, Thai train, uh, tra- trainer, he was a former fighter. He's had over 400. So oh, my God. That, 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 could, that could be like, like the benchmark. Hmm. Let's hope not, bro. <laughs> Let's hope not, dude. I don't, I don't yeah. want to see you get hurt, man. That sucks. Yeah. The, Damn, the next man. one will be the, the, the bolts in the neck that try and look like Frankenstein. Oh, hell yeah. Did you ever go as Frankenstein <laughs> for Halloween? Oh, that could be next year. That could be next year. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> hey, everybody listening, you heard it here first. Uh, hey, man, you you uh, you coach jazz, uh, Jasmine, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. What is that sure, like, man? I I have a daughter, and I I wanted to wrestle because I wrestled my whole life, uh, so I want my daughter to wrestle. But I don't know if I wanted to fight, man. What's what's that mentality like? Uh, so Jazzy was seven, and she started doing our classes, and then there was no there was no pressure whatsoever from me and my wife to for her to start competing or anything. And then when she was about uh, almost almost eight, she said, "Oh, can I start competing? Can I start fighting?" So I'll maybe wait till you're eight just in case and look a little bit older. And then on her eighth birthday, she goes, I'm oh, eight now. Can I start fighting still? It's like, damn it. You, you didn't forget. Um, sure. So we had a we had a fight show coming up. So we, um, I got in contact with the local newspaper. I said, is there any chance um, we, we do a little story on Jazzy? Just so when she gets older, she has something for a scrapbook, some, uh, a memory. So they came out, did a little interview. John Wayne Pye's daughter's having her first fight, blah, blah, blah. And then the the promoter said, oh, do you mind if we come to the venue and we'll do a follow-up story on Jasmine? Um, I said, yeah, that's, that'd be amazing. Said, do you mind if we bring the, the TV uh, channel nine with us? Oh, that'd be even better. So um, little did I know that the media was setting me up to to fail. They, they came to the show. They reported the everything. Uh, after the event, the next day I went down to the news agent to, to, to buy the paper. And I get there and the first thing I see was Frank, uh, Jazzy on the front cover. And then the, the caption to the story was uh, venue full of drunken yobos screaming for eight-year-old blood. What? And I was like, oh, my what God. This is, this is not good. <laughs> and then I read the story and there was just like this, this just craziness. Instead of the happy girls competing, girls smiling and laughing and having fun, it was just like this complete just uh, like a abomination. Shit show, like they, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the, 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 we did a follow-up story with um, the local TV set ch- channel here, and that wasn't so bad. And then the next day, they showed exactly the same footage, but they crossed to a different anchorman. And then uh, he just threw me under the bus saying, uh, that young girl should be taken off the parents before she's physically harmed or brain damaged. And, um, th- these parents obviously have no safety concerns for their own child. And then from that moment, uh, it just went ballistic. Where I was the the number one trending story in Australia for about a week as the worst father in Australia for letting my eight year old daughter compete in a in a male dominated sport. And uh, I was like, "What the hell is going on?" This is and because it was my daughter and my sport, um, I tried to answer every media just saying, "Look, this is fine. The girls had pads. There was both parents in both corners. There's a ring doctor there." Uh, well, there's a lot of discipline just, too, you know. It, it, it's just competing. It's just girls having fun. At the end of the day, they both get trophies. They both they're they're both happy. They're both not injured. Um, and then it wasn't until um, it actually went internationally. America ran a story on it as well. 
and then the the BBC in England ran a story on it, and they were saying, well, if you want girls to fight in the army, what's the big deal about girls competing in a in kickboxing? What's the what's the uh, uh, there shouldn't be any any difference. Um, and then all of a sudden, things had a uh, getting persuaded in in, in my favour then. Uh, but for that first week, it was so bad. I've, I've never been scrutinised my whole life. I was actually embarrassed to to go outside. But the worst, the, the media had their say. But when I go to the shops, people would tap me on the back saying, hey, I just read the story. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, I used to train martial arts, and, and we love it. Actually, I've got my kids in the martial arts also, and they love it. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it because you, you're doing the right thing. So even though the, the media's perception was I was bad, everyone else thought uh, I was doing the right thing. So... It was, it was a really bizarre time. But now she's um, 17 years old. She's had the opportunity to fight in uh, Thailand three times, England twice, and Canada once. Um, she's got to see the world for free. Um, and and now, uh, eight years later, when she's in the newspaper, they, they've, they've fully changed their tune where, oh, we always knew she was going to be a superstar. Oh, yeah. I like, hey, yeah. I was like, hang on a second. You're the guys that tried to throw me under the bus. And now all of a sudden you've always been supporting it. What the hell? So now it's just comical. Now it's just like at the stage where it's like, don't don't believe anything the media says because they're the first one to bury you, but they're also the first ones to praise you as well. So depends on what sort of day they're having is which, which direction they want to go with their story. Did you uh, do you guys keep the uh, the original newspaper like from then? Oh. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Fucking send a copy of it back to them. Just yeah, like, you guys remember yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah, it was so sad. It was, and then it, it just broke her heart too. She it turned her off the sport for a few years. And then um, she finally got the her confidence back to start competing again. Um, I remember there was a famous uh, a current affair program here in, in Australia called the 7 O'Clock Project. And that they, I could I could hear the leading. Right, our next story, we've got John Wayne Power on the, on the line. Uh, he's... He's a world champion, puts his daughter in the room, eight-year-old. All right, John, can you tell us, is it true that you're trying to live your dream through your daughter? And it's like, what? What are you what talking about? <laughs> what are you even talking about? Why would I want to be an eight-year-old girl for? <laughs> That's so crazy. Uh, you, you have no idea what I've accomplished. You have no idea who I am, and yet you're the first ones that, that scrutinize me to think I'm some sort of monster. Um, yeah, but and then, like I said, now it's just comical that you guys don't, don't even do your research. And my name's not even John, it's, it's Wayne. So, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so crazy. Yeah, that's man, the media. It's the same way in America, too. The media just puts their own spin on things, and and uh, it's a real shit show. But I am, I am glad that she's uh, she's back into it now. I've seen, I've seen where she was fighting in Thailand. Um, I have a daughter, and it, I want my daughter to be. Uh, I want my daughter to enjoy the things that I enjoy. Like you know, I, I definitely want her to take some sort of martial arts just for the, uh, like the self defense aspect of it and the, the discipline that comes from it. But I, I've always wondered like if she wanted to fight, like I would probably like I would want to be in her corner. Um, yes. But I, you never want to see your baby girl get hurt. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um. Uh, now, now Jazzy's left school. She's teaching uh, PTs in the gym. Um, she's actually teaching more PTs than I'm teaching right now. So, uh, all the 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 teenagers and the the young kids they absolutely love her, love her uh, enthusiasm and her charisma. 
and then she teaches a lot of uh, normal classes as well. And um, there's no better feeling to have adults come up to her. Oh, Jazzy's such a great teacher. She uh, she has such she she has so many of your mannerisms when she teaches. Um, she's very inspiring. It's, like, oh, it's just uh, the ultimate compliment for to see your daughter um, enthusiastic and and following. Uh, just even the fact that she wants to go to Thailand. It's like I can't believe that after all these years that I have a kid that has the same aspirations that I have when I was growing up as well. So, and and to see her be successful as well is even even better compliment. So, um, so her first fight in Thailand. This is a funny one. So I I had a uh, small, um, small little blister on the back of my heel. I'm thinking, oh, that looks a bit red and sore. Hopefully it doesn't get infected. And then we fly to Thailand. And then um, I'm thinking to myself, oh, thank goodness that didn't get infected. I do my first training session, and then I wash my, I have a, a Thai shower, and then the, in Thailand the water is quite filthy. And then sure enough, that night I must have got um, the the water must have got into the sore, and then sure enough the glands started playing up. And then by the next day I was in pure agony, and ended up with uh, cellulitis. So I had to get administered to the hospital and get IVs, and then uh, so like, oh, I ended up staying in hospital for. 10 days in Thailand. Holy and shit. Jazzy, and then Jazzy was fighting too. And then there's no way I could leave the hospital because I was in so much pain. And then uh, her first fight in Thailand, uh, she has to fly two hours from Bangkok to the south of Thailand with the Thai trainers by herself. And and she fights in front of 10,000 people in an open park live on Thai TV. I'm thinking, oh no, all this pressure for such a young girl and I'm not there and this poor poor little thing's not being like, be able to cope without me being there. <laughs> Next minute, she has the the fight of her life, and she dominates the tie, and she wins. And so all of a sudden, it's like, oh no, my little girl doesn't need me anymore. No, she's, she's turning, no, that's yeah, not it. She, yeah, she's turned into a, 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 a young lady now. She's not my little girl anymore. She, now she's a, a not only a, a young lady, but a young warrior to, to go and and be the, the the only Westerner there and to and to win. It's like what a that that was. I was so. In, in my hospital room, watching the TV, just thinking how proud I was. It was a, it was very very such a surreal moment. Damn that there's that sucks, dude. The the, yeah. so the the water like the the water in the shower is what done it. Yeah, the uh, yeah just the any any minor little cuts that you have, if the water gets inside, it just gets into your bloodstream, and then yeah, just uh, on antibody uh, IV antibiotics every few hours. And I, when even when I got back to Australia. They said the first thing you do when you arrive back to Australia is admit yourself straight to hospital. You end up spending another four days in the Australian hospital as well. So two weeks, two weeks in hospital. Just And I, I, at one stage, I thought they were going to cut my leg off. I was in that much agony and that Holy much pain. Holy shit. Yeah, it was rough. It was so bad. But I, I had, all good now. I had a uh, I had a trainer one time tell me that they used to they used to all wear like sandals in the shower because there was some sort of bug in Thailand that would, I guess, like like go in your foot. Is that is that accurate? Oh, the I know the 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 water's just putrid, so yeah, it's not ideal to have any cuts. Oh man, that so, sucks! It's like jail. You gotta wear the shower yeah, shoes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty rough, but it's it's just, over there. It's just normal. This becomes That's... everyday life. How long did you stay in Thailand? Because uh, I was reading that you you'd moved to Thailand for a period. What was how long was that? Uh, four years at the start, and then another year on and off. So three months here, another two months there, another three months. So five years all up, and then um, when, when I first moved there in '96, and then I stayed for six months. 
And then I went and had five fights, five wins. And then my sponsor uh, decided to send me back again for another full year. And it just kept snowballing. And then um, it just became, I just become part of the, the Thai scene. And I was, a, I was really the first Westerner to stay in Thailand full time. So a lot of Westerners would go for a month or two months and come home again. Whereas I, I was the first one to sort of situate myself in Bangkok and just um, just be part of the community. Every time the motor rang, uh, it was easy because I didn't have to fly in from anywhere. I was only 10 minutes from the stadium, so it was easy for, uh, easy access. Um, and then because there was another, not many Westerners there at the time, it was a lot easier to shine as well. I didn't have any, any competition. And it, it was easy to stand out being being the white guy. <laughs> and then also also with my uh, Ramoy, uh, with the shooting the gun, Everyone else was throwing bow and arrows and everything else, and because I I, I took that that cowboy uh, western uh, influence in there and and uh, was shooting the gun, everyone sort of I got the the respect of the ties a lot faster, I think as well. They don't call him the gunslinger for nothing, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, like? What's the the like? What's the difference in like Thailand to Australia, like living wise? Like, is the the cost of living about the same? Uh, because I lived in the camp, uh, I was very fortunate. Where it was, I, I'd stay at the camp for free. I get two meals a day for free. My training was free, but then when I fought, it'd be a fifty percent of my prize money. Um, and and then said fifteen uh, or fifty. Fifty. Oh, okay. So if I was making at first, my first few fights was a thousand baht, two thousand baht. Uh, and then when I got picked up by the number one promoter, then it went to ten thousand, fifteen, twenty, thirty, and then uh, which which was which is okay. So say twenty thousand baht back then was a thousand dollars. So I'd have to give them five hundred, which you, you didn't mind because you're living there and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then back in 2004, I, I was in a eight-man tournament in Rajendam Stadium, the number one stadium in, in Bangkok. I had to fight uh, three times in two hours. And then I won a, a world title, a million baht, which was 35,000 Australian and a treasury from the Prime Minister. And then uh, when it was time to hand over 50% of 35,000, that sort of sucked. <laughs> that was, yeah. That was, that was a, because it was all cash too. It was just bundles of cash in town. Having to count out 500,000 baht and then to hand it over was like, oh, this is this is, this could have been a deposit on a house, but because i got to give them 50%, I guess, um, yeah. But but at the same time, if it wasn't for them uh, taking me under their wing and treating me as one of their own, I wouldn't have got the opportunities I was given. So at the end of the day, it, it, it paid for itself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're and you're right. Like it, you know, they're they're hooking you up. So yeah, I can I can I mean I can understand that. I mean, giving away giving away that much money, you, you know, after a big win, you know, fighting. Yeah. Would you say three times in two hours? Three times in two years. So I fought yeah. a Russian, a French, and then I fought a. Then uh, the final, I had to fight a Thai that had beaten me three times in a row previously, and then then he was my my nemesis, and then then I finally got to beat him, and then uh. And then, uh, yeah, and then you go to see the promoter, and then instead of getting a check, okay, here's, here's bundles. So filling up my backpack full of bundles of Thai Bart, it's like it was such a, such a, oh, wow. Crazy, yeah, it was so cool. It was, it was, it was definitely living, especially when my first fight was a thousand Bart, and all of a sudden you're winning a million Bart, and it's like, damn, this is so, one of those pinch yourself moments. I like seeing what's happening now with, uh, with like the, I guess the influence of, of westerners or or 
people from America going to Thailand to train, like Khalil Roundtree. Uh, I don't know if you've been following him, but he, his entire yes. game changed when he went to Thailand. Yeah, Thailand's amazing. Um, just just the fact that it's the, the number one sport, so there's no distractions, just train, uh, eat, sleep, train, eat, sleep. You don't have to worry about working. You don't have to just, just live, live the dream. And then, uh, so, so when I was living there in 96, the, the sport was like at its peak. And there, there was a newspaper that came out every single day that told you the result from the night before and who's fighting tonight, who's fighting tomorrow. Had all like the form guide of everyone's last five fights, their win-loss ratios um, and, and stories. And uh, there was another two or three magazines that came out every few days. Every single TV channel had a two-hour uh, time slot for a Muay Thai show. Uh, it was just everywhere. And then when you ran down the street, because I was uh, the only Westerner in my area where I lived, people would flash their lights at me and beat their horns, and I'd high five people as I ran past the bus station. It was um, you were like a celebrity. It, 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 it was it was very much that that Naksu Cow sort of uh, walking in Van Damme's footsteps to 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 watch the movie and then to go over there and to, and to live it. It was just um, like I said, one of those ones where uh, looking back, so it was so surreal. But I'm so happy that I got to achieve it, and um, yeah, it's one it's one of those things where I'm. I'm and then before too, I, I I wasn't very good at school. I went to eleven different schools growing up, and, and now to be able to speak two different languages and and to to have the respect of eyes is um yeah, it's just, it's just a dream. Did you ever consider moving there full time? Uh, when when I was there for those four years, yes, and then I ended up having a, a shin infection where I had to get my, my shin lanced to get all this bad blood and bacteria and everything out of my, out of my shin. And there was, there was a two-month, um, two to three-month sort of time where I wasn't allowed to kick. And then that, that was a stage where, um, listen, waking up at six in the morning, hearing the ties doing pads and not knowing that I could do anything, that, that was the, the realization where was, I think it's time to go home now. It's just uh, if I can't train, um, and I'd, I'd already had 40 fights in Thailand and, done everything I wanted to do so and then and then after that I was going back every few months and and fighting on the on the big kids birthdays and all the big shows and um but but yeah I'm happy uh so so from 96 to end of 99 uh it was Thailand and then 2002 uh, I lived in America for 10 months uh, and that's where I met my wife at Master Tidies in Vegas oh no shit yeah, so uh, I, I put a, something on the, the Axe website back in the day saying, hey, is there any trainers in America that, that, that want an Aussie to come and um, teach at their gyms? And within half an hour, Master Toddy replied saying, hey, we'd love to have you here. Um, you can come and teach and fight at our gym if you like. And then I remember going to Vegas and uh, there was all these posters of this girl over the wall with all these medals and uh, trophies and belts. Who's this girl? Who's this girl? Oh, that's Angela Rivera. She'll be here in a few days. She's fighting on the same show as you are. And then uh, the moment that we met, uh, it was that connection where I just knew she was the one. And then, Fucking uh, a. A 18 years later and, and three kids later, we're, we're, we're still together and still as strong as ever. Uh, I actually got deported from this America. I, I overstayed my visa for two days. Um, I, I uh, had the opportunity to go back to Australia and have a fight to make some money. And I flew back over again. And when you leave America, they don't check your passport. They only check your passport on the way in. So I, I left the States, went to Australia, 
flew back to America again and got stopped at LA. And they said, oh, when was the last time you were here? I said, oh, I was here about three weeks ago. How long were you here for? I said, oh, I, I was here for three months. Like, three months? You're not allowed to stay three months. You're only allowed to stay 90 days. Yeah, that's three months. So the, the gentleman at the immigration, he counted the days. Oh, 92. You're two days over your visa. You're on the next plane back to Australia, buddy. What? What? And then I uh, end up getting held at the airport for 36 hours. And that, uh, so they, they handcuff you. The police come, the security come. They take you to a room. Uh, you, they take the handcuffs off. You're held in that room for 10 hours. The, the, the security comes back to the room. All right, uh, after every 10 hours, by law, we have to move you. Um, so they get handcuffed, led through the airport again. And as I'm getting led through the airport with the, the police and the whole business, I'd see kids tugging their mum's shoulders going, Hey, look, there's a terrorist. And I'm thinking, oh, no, <laughs> this, is, this is so bad. And I even said to the security guard, I said, surely there must be some other way we could do this. He said, no, this is our procedure. It wouldn't matter if you're a 90-year-old lady. You'd be doing the same things exactly. I was like, ah, oh, this sucks so bad. And then I remember the second time, I was like, another 10 hours has been up. We have to move you again. So they've handcuffed me. They led me through the airport. Now it's nighttime. And now they've led me outside and put me in the back of a police car. And we started driving, driving, driving. Next minute, I see East LA jail. Thinking, oh, no, this is not good. <laughs> so then we check into the jail. And luckily, uh, I was only one in my cell, thank goodness. Um, and then after about six, seven hours in, in jail, they, they took me back to the LA, uh, LAX. And at this stage, now it's nine in the morning and it's rush hour. And it's shoulder to shoulder. And I've got three police either side of me. I'm handcuffed. I'm led through the middle of the airport again. I'm going, oh, no, I just want to hide my face. And uh, there's 200 people waiting on the catch the plane. And they put me on, on the plane first in front of everybody waiting for the plane in handcuffs. I'm thinking, oh, no. And everyone boards the plane and everyone has to walk around me because they don't want to go near the terrorist guy. <laughs> not, 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 not knowing, I don't only really overstay my visa, but because I'm handcuffed, I look like the worst criminal you could ever think of. And then, um, yeah, and then uh, I think I got banned from the states for about five years. What? And now, if I want to go to that, yeah, I know. For two days, I overstay for two, for days. two even, days. Even even if I go, uh, every time I go back, I have to fly to Sydney now. I have to I apply for a five year multiple entry visa, and then as soon as uh, the um, American immigration scam my passport. I get sent straight to the naughty room with, with all the, the with all the Mexicans and all the everybody, and uh, I gotta I gotta stay in this naughty room until I get interviewed and uh, interrogated. Why are you here? How long are you staying here? Are you gonna overstay your visa this time? And it's like, oh man, I'm just here for a holiday. I'm, I trust me. I don't want to stay. I'm good. Yeah, seems like it's, a bit of so bit bad. overkill. Yeah, it's, it's been like uh, 16 years later, and they still help. They still hold a grudge. Yeah, they still hold a grudge for like two days. Yeah. Two days, I, too. Yeah. I, I definitely don't yeah, recommend anyone overstaying their visa. It's definitely not worth it. It's a pain in the butt. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, I, so I actually have a lot of Australian listeners. So for you guys yeah. that want to come over, do not overstay yeah. that shit. But at the same time, because Muay Thai is in very big in America, too, I, I got to the stage where suddenly I was teaching in San Diego and uh, I had a, a job uh, instructing everything else. And then... Uh, because I got deported, my, my wife moved, moved to Australia. And then since that moment, my career took off in, in the best possible sense ever. So it, it was, really was a blessing in disguise that I happened to come back to those. 
Hell yeah, man. I actually, I've seen that Angela recently got her, uh, her blue belt. So that's congratulations. On yes. her. Yeah. She's so excited. Well, she's only been training approximately about a year, a little bit over a year now. And, um, but now we've got jujitsu at the gym and my kids are absolutely obsessed. Especially my, my young 12 year old son. He's, uh, he's killing it right now. So that's phenomenal. So, that is phenomenal. Yeah. It's so crazy. When are we going to see you have a, a jujitsu match? So, so a funny story. Uh, I was recently in uh, Singapore uh, with Lockie uh, for a one championship fight back at end of October, and then uh, because I had not, not, not much time to kill, um, Renzo Gracie just happened to be in Singapore also. Um, he was on The Apprentice with uh, Yod Chatri's new TV show. Oh, I seen that. We'll see yeah. It. So we started um, talking on the private messenger back to back, just saying how much we wanted to meet each other, but because of the quarantine rules. We weren't allowed to leave our rooms for any particular reasons. And then um, I mentioned to him that my, my kids were obsessed. I said, I run a Muay Thai gym. I've done everything you could possibly imagine in Muay Thai, but my kids are obsessed with jiu-jitsu. And he goes, brother, he goes, I run all these jiu-jitsu gyms all over the world, and all my kids want to do is train Muay Thai. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who your dad is. It's just dad. Yeah, they the kids want to live their own dreams, and and it still makes me proud to see them be so successful in what they're doing. But uh, it just uh, it's so bizarre that it's the uh, yeah, it's just, it just funny talking to Renzo about it. He, he, we just had a good giggle about it. It was funny. Did you uh, did you ever get to end up meeting him or no? No, no, we weren't allowed to leave our rooms. The only time we could leave our rooms was with a chaperone, so we had to wait for someone to come to our room. We were allowed to train in the in the training room for forty five minutes, and then we'd get chaperoned back to the room again. And even uh, fight day, they they picked us up in the van, took us to the venue. We arrived say half an hour before the fight show started. By the time Lockie wrapped his hands, warmed up, shadowed, uh, had his fight. As he was taking his hand wraps off, I said, "Okay, so as soon as you're dressed, the van's outside waiting for you to take you back to the hotel again." It's like, oh, but there's there's four world title fights. I'm really excited to see the fights. I said, oh, unfortunately, because of COVID, you have to go back to your room and watch them on your phone. It's like, damn it, I've come all this way. That was the only reason I'm here is the, to watch the, the main events. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll deny that. And then uh, there was even uh, the possibility that your Chatri said, uh, hey, uh, there, there's a possibility that we could have your fight in December. So, so I, will, I, I talked to my wife. She said, uh, maybe just stay in Singapore after Lockie's fight. Just stay there and train him with the ties, and um, uh, and then instead of coming home, just just stay there for the next four or five weeks and get as fit as you can. Uh, and I asked your Chatri, I said, "Oh, do you mind if I just stay there after Lockie?" And he said, "Unfortunately, with COVID, um, Singapore government's only allowing fourteen day visas. So as much as we want you to train at the the gym, and um, yeah, it's just impossible right now." So not only I couldn't train or couldn't watch the fights, we couldn't leave our rooms. And then and then when I got back to Australia, it was straight into a 16-day quarantine in a, in a room quarter the size of the one that I was in in Singapore. So it really, truly sucked. Fuck, man. I've I seen where Dan Hooker, uh, after his fight with Dustin Poirier, he had to, to quarantine for like the 14 days and he didn't even get a chance to like see his daughter beforehand. Like, that sucks, man. Oh, so bad. And then uh, the one in... The one in uh, where I was situated, they so as soon as our plane arrived in Australia, they they, they make you sit and have a meeting with the police, and they take down your passport number, they take down your driver license number, 
and they, they explain the rules. You get three meals a day that be left at your door. If you open the door for any other reason, it's a $50,000 fine. And if you try and do a runner, uh, it's a year in jail. Um, and then they said the quarantine starts at midnight. So today's quarantine doesn't count. It's This one's a freebie. So it was 15 days quarantine. And then they said, we can't let you out of the we, – we work it out that – the time your plane arrives is the time you're allowed to leave your room. And then uh, my plane arrived at 3.30 in the afternoon, but my return flight back to my hometown was 3.30 in the afternoon. And then I had to, I had to write an email to the Western Australian um, Health Commission just asking for a 90-minute exemption to see that it give me time to check out and catch a plane home. They said, oh, sorry, sir. Uh, under no uh, – Like circumstances? No circumstances that you're allowed to leave any any minute earlier than the time you're playing. Or it wouldn't even matter if you had a medical condition; we still wouldn't let you out. It's like, damn it! So it cost me an extra thousand bucks by the time I cancelled my flight and booked new flights and booked hotels and caught taxis and had food and all for ninety minutes. Yeah, that's that sucks, man. You can't imagine like how many people are are having to rebook flights and like, um, uh, like just man, that sucks. That's yeah. That sucks. I can't imagine like the stress that 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 puts on. Like I've I've not left. Uh, oh yeah, well I lie. I've left Florida and went to Virginia now, and I've went to South Carolina. Uh, but I remember a couple months ago, like whenever you were driving, and if you were driving back into Florida, they would like stop you at the border, and they would ask you like where you're going, where you came from, like like shit like that. Uh, luckily, like leaving, like they don't give a fuck. Like they're just like, oh yeah, everybody wants to leave Florida, whatever. Yeah. So, so like, they're like, whatever, cool. Yeah. But when you're coming back, they they would stop you, and it's just so crazy. I think here in the states, like they're talking about like a second lockdown or something. Oh jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did. I did 12 days quarantine Singapore, then 16 days quarantine. So 28 days of locked in a room by myself. Um, you soon realize how important human interaction is. Um, just to have, just to be able to talk to someone or just have a face to face with someone. You can't look at your phone for so long without starting going crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. Uh, it's a big thing. Is like people have been talking about like people with uh like people with depression or people who who need like that social interaction that haven't been getting it. Like it's been terrible. The quarantine has been terrible for, for a lot of mental health. And I, I believe it, man. I mean, it's, it's a weird world, man. Hopefully 2021 is better, but it's gosh, being in America right now. Uh, I actually, I want to come to Australia like for good. Uh, because, oh. because America is kind of, uh, we're in limbo. We're a little funky right now. Um, you yeah, with our borders, we, we I don't think we're letting people in right now either. Oh, I'm gonna have to sign up and just just yeah, get ready to get ready for my opportunity. I guess just be ready as soon as you guys say it's cool. I'm just gonna be like, all right, bet I'm on I'm on the way. Um, really quick before I let you go, is there anybody like? Cause you said that you were uh you were a huge fan of this, uh like of these sports, and and you're a huge fan of the game. Is there anybody that you're paying attention to like in particular lately? MMA, Muay Thai, uh, kickboxing, just around the world. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the the Dustin Poirier Conor McGregor fight, like everybody else is. Um, that'll be amazing. Uh, Dustin's so good. He's uh, he's growing and leaps and bounds since that first fight. So it makes that the rematch so interesting. And, and Conor's been so inactive as well. So it's 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 a uh, it's it, that that makes makes it exciting. 
The inactivity yeah. from Connor is what really scares me about going in there with Dustin. Dustin's a fucking killer on any given day, man. Yeah. And then uh, since since the Connor and Cowboy, it's been what, over eight months, I guess. So it's uh, a long time in yeah. between. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I think it was was that February. I think it, I think it was February. Yeah. No, Jan- January. January. It was the first. Uh, it was the first pay per view of the year. Okay. Yep. And then things went crazy. So and it was only a, and it was only a forty second fight too. So. It's not. It's not very much ring time either. God, he looked so good though. Yeah, Fuck poor, man, poor so cowboy. Cow, cowboy's um, he's so so. He's either on or he's not quite, not quite uh, focused. Sometimes he the the moment gets to him. When he fights the other guys, he he tears through him. But on the big stage, for some reason, he just doesn't shine as much as he is um, potentially has a he can. It's, um, and then, uh, yeah, so it sucks to see Cowboy to go down like that as well because he's such a warrior. Yeah, I, I was actually watching uh, Cowboy's fight, uh, the WEC fight with Jamie Varner earlier. And yep. man, Cowboy—he's just—he's always had that—I uh, don't—that—that that fire in him, I guess. Man, he's always had—he's always had it, whatever it is. He's always had it. Um, yep. And to see him kind of to let the moment get to him, man, it's really—it really sucks, man. But. Um, I think Cowboy still has some fight in him, though. Oh, for sure. Uh, so I was I was speaking with who was I speaking to? Uh, uh, Fraz. Uh, uh, when I was in Montreal, uh, training at TriStar, and he was saying uh, with the George St. Pierre Nick Diaz fight, uh, just the the pressure that the fighters feel when they fight the main event in UFC. When they fight on the undercard, it's still a big deal. But when you're the guy, when you're the face, and when you know that you're the main event, um, they came in to check uh, Nick Dez's, uh hand wraps. And then they just they could tell straight away that he was shook by the occasion. Um, they, they asked him a question, hey, how are you feeling? And he started stuttering. And uh, it was like, a, and then, yeah, it's just a, it's such a, and, and to fight Connor too. Like, you can imagine how much pressure. Knowing that a billion people are about to watch you, watch you walk out and perform, um, if if you let the occasion get you, which I it would be impossible not to let it get to, I guess. Uh, but it's it's funny how different people react to different circumstances, and to to have the yeah, I, I guess I guess the eyes of the world watching to see if you can do it or not, um, it definitely bring you unstuck if if you let it get to you, I suppose. Have you ever had one of those one of those moments where it just kind of got to you? Yes, my my first king's birthday in Bangkok uh, is in front of a hundred thousand people live in this a big park, um the same park that uh, Van Dam was doing uh, pads at the start of the movie Kickboxer. Oh no where, shit! Where, yeah, yeah, that same park in front of uh, Wapagal, in front of the big temples there. Um, yeah, walking in front of a hundred thousand, and when I was doing my Ramoy. Uh, the the dance before the fight, I, I felt my knees go weak um, as I was walking around, just looking at at, at, at an ocean of heads. And then um, there was a five round fight, and then the first and second round, I went a little bit too hard too early, and I sort of gassed towards the last sixty seconds of the fight. And then my opponent threw me down a few times in the clinch, which is a massive scoring points in Muay Thai, and that just cost me the fight. And then the the next year when I did it. I told myself I'm not going to let the occasion beat me this time. Um, I just got to appreciate walking in in front of so many people and just just take a moment to appreciate it. So 
I walked out and I stopped for a second, took a big breath, um, and just saying, what a massive opportunity this is. Just go out there and have the fight of your life. And then, um, yeah, instead of instead of pooping my pants, I actually uh, end up having the best fight of my career, and one, and then end up winning the next three King's birthdays in a row after that. Just, um, just uh, to, and instead of letting the, the crowd beat me, to, to thrive off the crowd. Um, so uh, the first time I did it was a hundred thousand, and then the second time was crazy again. The third time was crazy, and then the fourth time I did it. Think, oh, geez, it's a bit quiet tonight. There's probably only 97,000 people here today. Yeah, <laughs> instead of the 100,000. <laughs> 97,000. <000. laughs> geez, I could see a, a spare couple of spaces way, way up the back there, so you could have fit another 3,000 people in there. Easy. Geez, where, where is everybody? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, man. Hey, man, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, if people want to find you, where where can they get in contact with you? Where can they get in contact with the gym if they want to come uh, come train? Give us all your info. Uh, just just John Wayne Power on Instagram. Uh, I like to – so it's either fight-related or really bad jokes. One, one of the two things will happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So usually the bad jokes more so. No, I like it, man. So, I I love that, man. Like, like you and like uh like Derek Lewis and Darren Till, man, have like some of the yeah. best Instagrams in the game, man, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good fun. And then when when you take the the the, the Mickey out of yourself, uh, I will appreciate that more than than your fight career when you can when you can laugh at yourself. So so either people are laughing with you or or at you, but long as they're laughing, that's the main thing. Long as they're laughing, yeah. That's what that's what I say, man. I'll tell like a bunch of like self-deprecating stories on here, and I'm like, yeah. "Fuck it, dude." As long as they're laughing, who cares? <laughs> uh, hey, man, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, listeners, go follow John Wayne Parr on Instagram. You will not regret it at all. Uh, also, hit the link in our bio and uh, buy foam soap. Use the code Takedown for twenty percent off your order. Also, get Game Up CBD. That's a Nick and Nate Diaz CBD brand. Uh, get some of that. Get you a new gi at futurekimonos.com. And as always, check out quicksesh.io for all of your computer troubles. John, this has been phenomenal, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have a chat.